Welcome to our Texans podcast here on Texas Sports Nation. Glad to have you guys back. We have another season. Brooks Commander here with Jonathan Alexander, new beat writer on the Texan beat. He joins us from Charlotte. He was covering the Panthers last year. Now, after one game, he gets to see how the Texans are playing football that we've been a little bit used to watching the past couple of years. <laughs> so, Jonathan, what's first off, yeah. man, you know, you get a chance to, you know, introduce yourself. I mean, uh, tell people a little bit about you. I got chance to know you past month i i haven't quit yet <laughs> well yeah you know greg did a little brief introduction i was on one okay course, so this isn't my first introduction to texas sports nation this is my second one it's been a little bit but of course you all know me this i'm from charlotte north carolina originally and like brooks said covered the panthers for a couple of years and and now i'm here and excited to be here and and we've already gotten off to an interesting start a tie in the first uh, in week yeah. one against the Colts, um, you know, who everybody's, uh, you know, schedule predictions is wrong now. So, uh, I know mine right. is. I didn't, I didn't foresee uh, the tie. Didn't see that. No, <laughs> no. And, and, and that, the, the decision, that's a, I definitely want, and I want to ask you about that in particular, but I know you want to start with last night and what happened. I mean, I didn't see the, I didn't see the game. I was, I'm, uh, I was watching just a little bit. We're talking about the Monday night football game. Uh, the Texans are next playing the Broncos. They were playing the Seahawks. Obviously, the big talk around Russell Wilson going back to Seattle. And fourth and five, game on the line. Two things happened that was just really strange. They had 50 seconds left, and the Broncos let 30 seconds roll off the clock and then called a timeout. And then not only didn't go with Russell Wilson on the field, sent in their kicker McManus to try and kick a 64 yarder where <laughs> it, the odds for that, mm-hmm. there are some, there are some analytic models on Twitter that I follow and there's one in particular and it automatically does it. And the person who runs the account had to go on there himself and tweet out, mm-hmm. Hey, normally at the end of games, people know what to do. So we don't really tweet one out, but here, let's go ahead and check just for, and it was zero. Uh, the Denver Fans were just roasting Nathaniel Hackett afterward for that decision. Obviously, it was missed. Um, McManus, previously, I think his career long, had been a 61. Uh, so he had some of the strength to do it. But if they were in Denver, I could maybe see that a little bit thinner air. Uh, but uh, the Broncos are now 0-1. And the Texans, I mean, you, you wrote about this today, Jonathan, like Lovey. Smith was talking about it yesterday. He was saying, you know what? A tie wasn't exactly their best deal, but they're at the top of the AFC South standings right now. No one no one getting a win in that division. Yeah. And I hear him. Like, okay, so, you know, this was a discussion I really wanted to have, right? Like, was it the right decision, right? Lovey deciding, and, and let me paint it for you guys, you know, whoever didn't see it. I'm sure you all did see it. But right. it was fourth and three near midfield. About 20 seconds, maybe a little bit more than 20 seconds left. Um, before that, they had third and one, which they ran it with Rex Burkhead, which I still don't understand. Um, I think even Lovey maybe admitted that he would have rather have gone with Damian Pierce a little bit more. Uh, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. Fourth and three, they decided to punt it instead of going for it. Uh, of course, if they don't get it, you give Colts a chance. And I bet Matt Ryan probably was going to get it. However, I thought something you wrote was interesting. I thought it was very, you know, I was thinking the same thing, but I thought it was very well written. You know, the fact that Lovey Smith decided to punt it instead of going for it goes against, you know, what they've been preaching all year, trying to change this this franchise around into a winning program. Like, how do you 
tell your team that we want to be winners when you're settling for a tie. I get it uh, to a certain extent um, that a loss probably would have been a lot more detrimental for the uh, Texans uh, for that season. Um, But I thought a win or going for a win probably could have been a lot more rewarding. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think there's two conversations going on right now. One is big picture and one is immediate. Right. So mm-hmm. I think Lovey Smith and uh, beyond that, kind of the builder of the culture of the team is Nick Casario as he assembles a franchise in the second year of a rebuild he started last year. I mean, I think they truly think that this is going to help them in the end of the year where they want to be in the playoff hunt. Uh, we saw the Pittsburgh Steelers do that last year and such. But you know what else helps you in that? Winning, you know, getting a win. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think there's confidence. You have to have confidence in that play call. So last year, if you guys do some digging into some of the Google searches or on Texas Sports Nation, you'll find a story. Last year, we wrote about with analytics. You might remember David Cully ran into these situations, wondered what uh, conversation was going on the headset, things like that. The Texans have a deep analytics staff. They know the numbers. Uh, I, I think Casario is aligned with that. Whenever Steven Silas, head coach of the Rockets, came over to watch practice once, he toured the facility and one of his big takeaways was how much the Texans use analytics in all of their processes. So I, I think they know in the situation, fourth and five, what the chances are of getting that. And the thing a lot of head coaches these days are trying to figure out, it's like, okay, I know what the numbers say. It says go for it, but it goes against my gut. Everything that's telling me I don't want to do this. And that requires confidence in the offense to make that play. So how the offense was going all day, not very good. And in that situation, so let's even go to the third one. You were talking about this, Jonathan, right? I don't even, it wouldn't have mattered to me if it was Rex or Damian Pierce in the backfield because throughout that game, they'd run out their fullback packages 10 times. And they averaged only one and a half yards per rush. Damian Pierce was the only one who averaged a positive gain and it was only two and a half yards per carry. So, in that situation, maybe he would have got it. But if you remember, um, Grover Stewart, the defensive tackle for the Colts, swam through the offensive line and swallowed Rex Burkhead before <laughs> really he had any time to run. So it wouldn't have mattered. Unless you think Damian Pierce would have broken that tackle, it wouldn't have mattered. Another thing yeah. you could go into it is like, was that the right play call in that moment to do? I mean, they pretty much signaled, we're going to line up and we're going to run. But I also think that they demonstrate a little bit that that's not always the case. I mean, they were in. Um, an unbalanced package, the very first play of the game, they did that and it was a pass. And out of 13 personnel sets, um, which is three tight ends, which Pep Hamilton really likes, they actually passed the ball more than they ran the ball. So the Colts may, from those plays earlier, may might have said, okay, might maybe they'll pass it here. But everything in their guts probably tell them that they're trying to run. And Rex Burkhead yeah. being the pass catcher, maybe it goes there. But so all that to say, if you're trying to win and, you know, the big picture for fans and I mean, I talked to some season ticket holders who were talking about, OK, I need I need to know that the Texans are in on winning again. Um, and there were people who thought about the head coaching search, how it landed to Lovey Smith was kind of interesting because it took 25 days for them to find out the person on their staff was the right guy. And if they had hired Josh McCown, who had no previous coaching experience and that wasn't signaling winning, everything was around winning. Cal McNair said in an interview with us that they're committed to winning 
So committing to Ty is the signal a lot of fans had to take away. I've, I've just seen on Twitter, talked to a few myself, and there's that larger picture. But I think the coaching staff and Casario and all them are, are thinking long-term about this. And the two things that I take away is, one, they're not as confident in this offense um, as 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 they ought uh, as, uh, that they shouldn't be really uh, with the production that they had, and uh, you know they think that um, that tie is going to eventually help them be in the playoffs. Which, if you look down the line, there, there are going to be some tough games for them to even to be in contention. So, yeah, yeah. Well, let me let me say this. All right, so I want to go back to the point where you were talking about because you know it's, it's I think it's a, a good argument. Back to the third and one play, you know you. Oh, our mutual colleague and friend, DJ, um, you know, said the same thing that you DJ said. DJ Pianami from ESPN. It, yes. Yeah. It, it said it, it wouldn't have mattered whether um, Rex Burkhead or um, Damian Pierce was running it. I, that, all right. That's, that's, that's true. It's quite possible. However, I still think that you be, – I still believe strongly that you put – the ball in the guy who gives you the best chance. And and perhaps Damian Pierce wouldn't have um, gotten that, but he hadn't been tackled in the backfield. He he fell once, but he hadn't been tackled in the backfield. I think he stands a better chance of breaking off a tackle. I also do think that they did run, they did run the wrong play and, and the package that they ran made it obvious what they were going to do. So I think that played a part in, in it too. But I think regardless, you put the ball in the guy who gives you the best chance to do it, regardless of what play you run. That's just and and I give you like example. Say, um, it was a similar situation or a different down, and and you decide to go with passing it to, um, say Nico Collins over Brandon Cooks. Like you don't go to the guy who gives you a less chance to get the first down than you do, um, Brandon Cooks. It's going to be obvious you're going to Brandon Cooks, but he gives you the best chance to make it. So. I think in that particular situation at 31, I would have felt better about Damian Pierce running that football. And if he didn't get it, I would have lived with it because at least you put the guy in, the, in, at least you put the ball in the hands of the guy who gives you the best chance and, and you lost, you know, man up. So, I mean, it is what it is. Um, you know, like I said, it could be said that they ran the wrong play or wrong formation. Um, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, but I, I think it's simple things that are hurting the Texans or that hurt the Texans in that week one, it's only week one. But it's simple things that hurt the Texans in week one. And if they want to learn how to be a winning team, they got to cut down on those. Yeah, they right. got to, you know, fix those small things. I mean, there's other things beyond this one play. I mean, there's everybody mm-hmm. takes away from it because of that. Um, and also, you know, on Sunday, you know, I, you know, that was that was the takeaway in print Monday morning about how the, the blocking wasn't there from stories that we wrote. So, I mean, the other thing is that they had other chances to win. You had you had the two minute two main things. One, you wanted to be an offensive identity where you had a fullback you could pound the rock. They weren't able to do that. Again, talking about running the fullback, they brought Troy Hairston in, reserved a spot for him on the fifty three man roster, and they only get averaged one and a half per carry with him in the game. That can't work. There was a chance where they were up by seven points, had the ball, seven minutes to go, they could bleed out the clock. Didn't happen. Pierce and Burkhead both ran the ball in that drive. The other thing is you had a two minute drill whenever the game was tied. Three and they couldn't they couldn't move the ball on that either. Out of their three wide receiver packages or five wide receiver packages, Davis Mills only averaged four point nine yards per attempt. Now, if you look at the at, at the averages, that's like half of that of the leader. It's an incredibly low number. They have not been able to throw the down ball downfield. Brandon Cooks is still their only playmaker at wide receiver. 
Um, they were have they were able to get out a little bit with OJ Howard as a tight end in some of these packages, but that's that's a problem whenever they're um, having to call up practice squad players. Chris Conley is now that to go be the fourth receiver in this. Tyler Johnson, who they picked up on the waiver wire from the Buccaneers, he's still kind of an unproven wide receiver anyway. I mean, this is a mm-hmm. this is a position group that's going to be a problem uh, throughout the year, and I thought that was interesting. Last time we talked to Nick Casario, I was wondering if they were going to make a trade, make an acquisition, make a big move. They haven't really done that yet. Uh, they've been more in the acquiring of assets of like draft picks and salary cap space. But if they're going to make a move there, I mean, that's 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 going to be something that is going to follow them throughout this year. I thought there, I, I thought Nico Collins would be a lot more involved. That was surprising yeah. a little bit. Um, but maybe they really were just going to go up and try and try and bash him with the run game, and that didn't work out either. Yeah, I, I think that was one of my concerns going into the season was did they have enough weapons outside of Brandon Cooks? And, and you saw some flashes from Nico, maybe that he could kind of step up, but he just hasn't. I, and and I, I mean, I they don't have enough weapons to be truly competitive on offense. You know, Davis Mills had to have zero, well, zero interceptions. He had to turn over at the end and we saw what happened, but he had to have a nearly flawless game for them to, you know, tie um with the exception of that one turnover so they need more weapons their running back their running game isn't good enough yet their offensive line you know isn't it's not like they're part in the red sea they still have their struggles right um you know you had that miscommunication between laramie tunsil and and who, who was it Kenyon green and Kenyon green um you know that's an issue they've got to get fixed you know would Definitely like to see King Green start at some point so he can get that continuity. Of course, that concussion well, messed him up. But I think that's part of the reason why he's not. I mean, there, yeah. there's the, the communication. There, there are other things there. There was a play, and you can see this in our film room. We just have that online, and that's going to run in Wednesday's paper. But, I mean, there was a play uh, on that drive whenever they were uh, up 20 to 13 when they were trying to pound the rock. And Justin Britt didn't have great positioning against the defensive tackle. And he just, poof. Stuffed him with one hand, went in the backfield, and uh, caught Rex Burkhead for a one-yard gain. It, it looks like, and I'm not a master of schematics, but I can see, like you know, in other plays, Kenyon Green would sometimes help him out with a quick double before moving to the second level. He kind of went off, and you can kind of see a little bit of the interaction afterward. Britt was kind of just standing there a little bit, like, "What just happened?" <laughs> I think, I think those are the limitations of why Green's not starting. And yeah, maybe more game time helps him, but. Uh, you got to also be confident in your offensive line to, you know, get those things going. And Justin McCray wasn't in. He he, he might have known to do that. Maybe there were more yards. Maybe they were able to keep running off more time off the clock. So, yeah, um, I, I I think I think that was interesting to see how that offensive line unit was not as prepared when they entered the season with continuity and felt like confidence. Yeah, and so you can't have a fourth quarter like they had. I, I, I don't think Davis Mills had a completion in that fourth quarter, or maybe he had one. But I know he had – he didn't have many. Uh, they, they just didn't do anything there. Oh, let me ask you about the defense, though. You know, I liked what I saw from the defense. I was a little tough on them um, because they've got a hold there in the fourth quarter, and I agree. But the offense put them in some really bad situations, some quick three-and-outs, turnovers. Uh, we saw that uh, – the Colts offense ran 90 plays and eventually Jonathan Taylor wore them down. Um, you know, I think the defense for the most part, and even Christian Kirksey said it, I was surprised he said it. He said he felt like the defense played well enough to win. 
And I thought they did up until yeah. that very end. But I like what I've seen from them. I think they've got a – I think Jerry Hughes adds a nice dynamic to them, an extra pass rusher opposite of Jonathan Gennard. They have to get to the quarterback a little bit more. Um, but I think that they're a solid team, keeping things in front of them. I don't recall a big play, a few of those runs there at the end, but I don't recall many explosive plays from the uh, Colts. Uh, maybe a few, um, but not many. So I think that this defense is going to have to carry them. Uh, this year, if they're going to win games, offense definitely got to play better. But the defense looks good, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean that—that that was kind of the idea that um, the defense would do that because they've addressed more with the draft picks. Obviously, you picked Stingley number three overall. Jalen Petrie was their second round pick. I mean, it seems like a lot of the allocations went that way. I mean, if you look through the three uh, first three rounds, especially since John Mechie unfortunately is dealing with a leukemia diagnosis, which goes to our point earlier about the wide receivers. I, I mean. It, it looked like they were really trying to go for the turnovers and they almost got more. Um, mm-hmm. There were a lot of almosts there. I think Jalen Petrie had one where uh, he, he was coming in for an interception and they glanced off of his helmet a bit. Kamagruje Hill, I think, dove for what almost was an interception. Jonathan Owens almost got one in the end zone. Um, and even in, even in special teams, Draymond Smith, towards the end of that game, he dislodged a punt return. Oh, yeah. The Texans almost got. They were all very close. They were so, if you I mean, got that. that seals the deal. And yeah. that's why Lovey Smith always preaches about that every day with him because it can be such a big change. And when the offense wasn't working, that's why the Texans were winning. I mean, the Colts had twice as many total offensive yards, but because the turnovers, the Texans were able to be up 20 to three at one point. But mm-hmm. I mean, I, I like what I saw from Jerry Hughes. The The thing is, is, um, he, you also look at productivity beyond those plays. I mean, when you look at the rotation of the defensive line, um, he had three tackles and he had those two sacks. You know, those are and great, an, right? An interception. So, and interception. And I mean, the interception. So, mm-hmm. you know, those three plays are big. And over the year, the sustainability of pressuring quarterbacks as a whole, the, 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 the team was starting to get more to the quarterback. It didn't really come from the front four beyond Jerry Hughes. It seemed like they were blitzing a lot more, which I haven't, I haven't seen as much from Lovey Smith last year. I thought Christian Kirksey and um, coming from linebacker was, was a, a large part of that rush and Desmond King even getting in there in the backfield on some time. So um, I am interested to see how sustainable this is over a long period of time, um, but they'll definitely need it against the Broncos to get to Russell Wilson. So, I mean, this is the first time they were going up against a, a quarterback of any kind under this. And it's Matt Ryan, who is, you know, former NFL MVP, but later in his years, Russell, obviously a guy who can move in the pocket a bit. So, mm-hmm. I mean, just, just from that, I mean, how do you, how, when you look at a guy like Russell Wilson, how do you think they'll, they'll, they'll manage? Yeah. Uh, I think, I still think Russell Wilson's one of the better, quarterbacks in this league um regardless of of last night's result uh he's gonna be tough because you got to contain him in the pocket as well he's got a great arm um he can make all the throws he's they're gonna test Derek Stingley who you know had a little bit of a time early on containing Michael Pittman Michael Pittman went off for the Colts and he was literally their only wide receiver yeah um so yeah, now I, you got Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. And you got and, two guys. And I, I love Jerry Judy's game and Cortland Sutton. His son is, is great too. Um, so, you know, I think they're going to have time. It's going to be a struggle, I, I believe. Um, 
but can they get pressure on on Russell Wilson? That's going to be the key. I, you know, I'd like to see Jonathan Grenard um, get some sacks. I don't think he had a sack. He didn't have a sack at all um, against Matt Ryan. And I think Matt Ryan is – he likes to get the ball out quick, but there are opportunities there to get Matt Ryan. And, and there were a few um, that the Texans took advantage of. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a tough game. I had the Broncos um, pretty high on my power ranking list, top 10. I don't know about it now, but um, I still think that they're a tough team. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting. You mentioned Grenard. I mean – he had two tackles for loss, but no quarterback hits either. I mean, and, and part of this is freeing up things for each other. So we'll see how much he gets into that game. I mean, main things, I, I, I'm interested to see how Pep Hamilton approaches the Broncos defense. I wonder how much the 13 personnel, the three tight end stuff is going to be um, game to game, or if that was just specific to the Colts, because the Colts had a great uh, front seven. It's one of the better in the AFC, um, and they they knew that they were probably going to get a lot of rush, um, and if they went four wide, three wide, that maybe they didn't have as much confidence to run the ball out of those situations. So maybe there's more where they can spread out a bit and go for it, but I, I just have a feeling that you wouldn't have this many tight ends and, and a fullback on the roster if that wasn't going to be part of your week-to-week. So um, they're going to have to average a lot more than a yard and a half per carry whenever they try to go out and run the ball. So, I mean, if they can't do that, it's going to be uh, very, very difficult. And um, Tyler Johnson, two weeks into practice, he better be a playmaker. <laughs> um, uh, Philip Dorsett, I thought was interesting. He didn't get as much time playing. Um, yeah. I thought I thought he was going to have a little bit more involvement in the wide receivers. Um, but they, they definitely need someone to – open up the game because Stefan Gilmore, two-time all-pro cornerback, can just he just followed Brand Cooks all around all game. Even when they tried lining him up in the slot, there was a third down where they had a 13 personnel deal. It was cool how they were able to, you know, spread that out and go five wide. I think that's what OJ Howard gets them. But if you're not going to get the matchup you want with Cooks, if they can just, you know, take their best corner and lock him on him and say, beat me with your other guys, the Texans haven't been able to do that yet. That's gonna be a huge problem. Yeah. I agree. I, I don't know if they'll win this game. I think it'll it'll be a it'll loss. I still think the Broncos are a better team, and the Texans still have some things to figure out on offense. So we'll see, though. It should be a good game, though. A lot of stuff. Well, we appreciate you guys listening. We'll have sixteen more games, more weeks to come, and uh, you can read all our stuff on HoustonChronicle.com and Texas Sports Nation. Appreciate your reading, watching, and listening.